temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Doncic. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Welcome into the Chiefs Draft Special using a little drive music. Jay Binkley, Dusty Likens himself, the Dirty Werewolf, who spent yesterday at the 25, or no, Saturday at the 25-yard line at Arrowhead Stadium, and he's never been the same since. What's up, Dusty, man? Not much, Binkley. How are you this evening? Good seeing you. Good seeing yeah. you. You ready to talk draft for the next couple hours? Yeah. I mean, it's, well, this has got to be the last day of it, right? This is our, uh, this is our, our, uh. Day after Christmas leftovers of the... I don't know if it is, though, or not, man. Baseball needs to start winning. Like You and I both have a Royals hats on and, uh, you know, just crushing defeat after crushing defeat. And poor Vern, man. Just let us listen in the Vern today. And mm-hmm. Vern wears it on his sleeves, man. Well, Big T wasn't even giving out the choo-choos no. today. He said no. you got to earn it. Yeah, and that guy's the biggest, uh, I'd say, Royals homer there is. And that's a, that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing to you, Big T. That's just... Uh, when I get friends Snapchatting me that this guy's lost it and he doesn't even do the choo-choo in the Snapchat, yeah. I know Big T's pissed. Yeah. And he's the guy that's always, you know, the hang on fans, like it's going to be all right. We've got this guy and that guy. But it is it is doom and gloom, man. There was a lot of stats today that I heard that uh, didn't really affect uh, me in the right way. Like Salvador Perez has five home runs. They're all five home runs or solo shots. Zach Grinke has gotten a total of like – Eight runs in his five starts. Uh, you know, Sal Perez hitting below 188. Whit Merrifield now hitting below average of Carlos Santana. Like, things are just not great. OPS is not good. Slug's not good. The team is uh, the team is not good right now. Well, hence, Chiefs draft is very exciting, and people mm-hmm. are very excited about the Chiefs draft because the draft moving to Kansas City next year. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Oh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be great. Did you see how much fun they were having in Vegas? Oh, I saw how much fun Gronkowski and Kelsey were having in Vegas. I mean, just just the fun that was had in Vegas. But the Chiefs selected 10 players this year in the draft. The interesting thing about it is the previous five years, they'd selected six players even on the dot. Six players even. And last year's draft class, three of them were starters. So mm-hmm. 50% of your draft class were starters. They draft 10 guys in this draft. And listen, I've seen a lot of people talking about Pacheco, the seventh-round pick at running back. Everybody's talking about Justin Ross, who's an undrafted free agent. Probably would have been a first or second rounder before. Injuries kind of caught up to him, and he slid in the draft to an undrafted free agent. He signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's actually a good thing for the Chiefs. Justin Ross is a, is a name that a lot of you all wanted throughout the draft process. He's now a Chief. I say get get excited about Jerry Neely, too. He's the running back from Ole Miss. 
averaged 5.8 yards per carry at his time at Ole Miss. Was sprinkled on a lot of you know preseason SEC list and everything, but he's a good running back, both receiving and catching the ball. So don't sleep on him earlier as well. But the Broncos had nine picks, the Chargers eight, the Raiders ended up with six picks, the Chiefs ended up with ten, and uh, we'll talk to people throughout at seven thirty. I have uh, Vinny Ayers from uh, Sporting News who grades a lot of the grades. We'll go through the grades. He the Chiefs getting an A, of course, one of the best drafts amongst the teams, and it's it's 100% true. Uh, did they have the best draft? That's subjective, I think, to where you're According to most, they had one of the only three A-plus drafts. According, but the Jets had a really good one. So did the Ravens. Ravens had a great one. Falcons had a strong draft. Detroit started off hot, and then they just kind of fizzled out. Yeah, Detroit was on a roll there. With, yeah, they it, got they got Hutchinson, they got Williams, and then it was like, well, uh, all right. Not that's, only not that's only, it. not only that, but it's it, you see how fast they got that card up there. Oh yeah, I mean that card was sprinted. Up there. <laughs> yeah, Aiden Hutchinson's not picked. Boom, we got him. Which is how it should have been. Like yeah. I've never understood From Michigan this. to Detroit. Do you, you remember know. the good old days, Bink, when the team that was pretty much on the clock for the first pick? from January until April would just tell you in like May or I'm sorry in March hey we're taking so and so with the first overall pick when the draft starts we're just gonna hit it and turn it in and it's gonna be over now it's like there's somebody on the inside that says hey we know who you're taking but let's milk it out a bit now we're on ABC we gotta like make sure we got enough time to build up we got to like sell this draft. Don't take the pick too early. Well, Detroit was like, sorry, we're not going to deal with this because we're getting ready to trade up for pick eight after we pick second. And Ron Koppel joined us at 630, but I'm with you, man. I mean, if, if you have an Aiden Hudson, you know how bad they in Detroit when Trayvon Walker really started to climb ahead of him? Yeah. You know, you know how excited they probably were? Oh. I mean, they're sitting there going, okay, this is great. This is great. I mean, both of them are going to have good careers, in my opinion. I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to have a better career. What makes you say that, though? Just, why do you think he has the better career? I don't know. Just his consistency. The pressure man. of not being the number one overall kind of he, it doesn't affect him as much. I think that has a nice effect to it, too. But just dude was a beast, man. Yeah, he's good. I mean, it was just complete beast whenever you watched him play. And Ojabo was good, too. The Ravens right. got a good one. And it's a great situation for him in a good spot But because he, he can redshirt this year. But that's going to be, I think, a stud along the way. My biggest question. But the Chiefs couldn't get him, in my opinion, because yeah. they need someone to help him this year. My biggest question for you is, did the Chiefs win this draft because of their – and this might be a – it might be kind of a, a loose-loaded question at the same time, but did the Chiefs win this draft because of where they got supposedly all the steals? Because it seems like they just – every pick is a steal. Like, they got them, you know, before they probably – or after they should have gone, but yet the talent level where they picked them at is still good. Did they win this draft, like, with a slam dunk? Because – Binkley, where I read is not only guys like you who I respect, who I know do your due diligence is with, you know, 150 players out of the 275 that get selected, um, but other people like Field Yates and, you know, you have guys like Jay Glazer and Ian Rappaport and guys that also know football and, and, and guys that also know the draft, like Mel Kuyper was one of them as well, and, and pro football focus for whatever that's worth, however you want to believe it, they're all non-biased Chiefs fans. I'm not calling you a biased Chiefs fan, but you've got a little love because you're from the city and follow that team sure. for so long. Sure, I can buy so that. you're a little bit into that, but like you still play even keel. But yet everybody unanimously says the Chiefs slam dunked. Is it because the guys they got are just that stupid, wickedly talented? Or is it because they got him in a position in which everybody else was like, whoa, 
the fact that they got these guys here and they fell to there and they got this much talent, is that why they won the draft? Well, first of all, they got kind of what the needs were. Right. And, you know, and I, there was a lot of misses on mock drafts and things like that, but the same position was there. It was just the players were a little bit different from some of the mock drafts. But here's the thing, Dusty, and pro football focus, I know there's people that don't value pro football focus. I do. And a lot of the teams value pro football focus. But they did a 250-player big board. Mm-hmm. 262 players were drafted because of right. the comp picks. And it, the Chiefs had 259, so right there almost at the end of the draft. But So they valued their big board. They had Karloftis 10th, 10 on their big board. They had McDuffie 11 on their big board. They had Sky Moore 22 on their big board, and they had Leo Chanel 103 on their big board. Karloftis was drafted 30th. That's 20 spots mm-hmm. you know, beyond their big board. Trim McDuffie, that had the 11, he was drafted at 21. Sky Moore went with the 54th pick. He was valued at 22. Leo Chanel was valued at 103. They got him at 36. And then Brian Cook was uh, 71st on their list, and Darian Kennard, lineman, 79. They got at 145. It's just value. There was just a ton of value of what the Chiefs got, but they were positions that they needed. But I think that was the underlying story, I think, was just value and like, oh, my God, the Chiefs really got him. I think right. that was what the, the number one reaction for people was, a man, Karloftis to the Chiefs? Because he was, you know, he was picked a lot of times 12th, 13th, 14th in the draft. His Vegas over-ender was 23, mm-hmm. and they gave him at 30. So if we just went by Vegas, Vegas had McDuffie at 16 and a half was his yeah. over-under. Goes at 21. So, yeah, even the Vegas odds had the Chiefs getting value in this draft. The and thing, Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, like, the thing that's that's interesting is that, like, I get it because, like, sometimes, and I'm going to use a fantasy football comp here, big shock, but, like, sometimes when you draft in your fantasy football draft, the reason your roster can be so well is because you have guys between or outside of you that are that are just picking, you know, not as educational as maybe you would. So I don't know if like the Chiefs draft position where they were and what they needed just always fell to what they wanted because you and I both probably would have said, gun to our head, first pick, they're gonna go receiver. That was that was just what I figured like when they traded up to get to 21 after that run of receivers that was impressive went and it was like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. It was like, okay, here comes the receiver run. Get in there if you're gonna trade up. And then it was like Chiefs trade up. You're like, okay, here we go. And they trade up and they get a cornerback, which is of need. But you and I both can agree that like that was probably what we thought they were going to pick third. We thought they were going to go receiver or edge, then go corner, you know, safety. Well, they went corner, edge, receiver, and then they went safety, right? Then they went corner, edge, receiver, safety, linebacker. Linebacker. Yeah, they went Leo. And then back to corner. Right. So, like, the thing about it is, is like, was their position – of what they needed just very well there because the other thing that I ask is that if these guys are so good, then why did they fall? Why did the Chiefs get them in that area of the draft? Is it because of what their position of need wasn't anywhere near surrounding them so they could just slide in there and take these picks, whereas like guys that didn't need a Carl Aftis, so they didn't need him, the Chiefs knew that they would get him at, at the second pick of their draft because that's what they said in the video that they had. They drafted McDuffie first, and then they had the, the phone with George, and they're like, hey – we really, I think it's uh, Spags. It's like, we really, really needed you. We really wanted you on this team. I really did a lot of work with you. You were, the, you were the guy I wanted, and we knew that we could get you when it was our turn next, and that's why we did it. Otherwise, we would have taken you earlier. And then everybody's like, holy smokes, the Chiefs got a great edge rusher, and now we're out here, and it's, you know, what's his player comp, Max Crosby? 
Well, well, I think I just signed it, a ninety-eight million dollar deal. He is, and I even so, asked his coach about that, and I'll play that. But I think yeah. he's Max Crosby, and there was other good edge because he's a psycho, well. like Arnold Abicady from Penn State yeah. that went just right at the beginning of the second round. And I mean, they psycho in a good way, football no. psycho, yeah, like football. Danny Bateman from they, the replacements. It's an attitude. They got a chip right. on their shoulder. These guys, when you look up and down this, they're physical players. Yeah, that have that edge about them. George Karloftis has this Max Crosby type, type motor about him, and Trent McDuffie's a physical football player. Uh, Brian Cook, the safety, likes to hurt you. Uh-huh. Darian Kennard had 30 pancakes last year, got voted the best blocker in the SEC. Big dude. And so when some of these guys fall, they fall for various reasons, but there's plenty of uh, draft stories like Stephon Diggs going to the fifth, Antonio Brown in the fifth, Tyreek Hill in the fifth. ton of stories of these guys falling in the draft for various reasons. Right. We just don't know what they all are, but they do background checks on them. They talk at the combine. Maybe they said something in the combine that rubs teams wrong. Maybe that was Jermaine Johnson's problem. Maybe it wasn't. Someone text lines asked me why the Florida edge dropped. I assume you mean Florida State, who is Jermaine Johnson. I thought the Chiefs were going to take him. I did. But he transferred from Georgia. He had two years at Georgia. Much better year at Florida State and the ACC. And I'll say this. It was a great year there. But when you compare him and Karloftis, Karloftis went against better linemen when he was at Purdue. But just that uh, insatiable edge. But they needed this. And not only that, Dusty, I don't think it got talked about enough. They really needed corner. And I had him grabbing that in the second round early, trading up to even get set corner at, at certain times because you, you lose your various ward. Like, you lose him. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at these wide receivers in this division. You know, like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro. Then you look at the Broncos and Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. you got to have defensive backs. you got to have corners. It was the one thing the Chiefs really needed. I felt the wide receiver room was even better going into the draft than, than than edge and cornerback for the Kansas City Chiefs, deeper positions. But they needed those positions going forward. So, yeah, that was actually a position they needed. It goes against their history where they don't usually get him in the first round. Yeah. The good thing about McDuffie was the Bills were about ready to take him. They had to settle with Kyrie Elam out of Florida. The cornerback, the Chiefs jumped the rival to get him, and that was a, a nice thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Didn't even bring him in for a visit because they didn't think he would be there when they were picking. It just became too much of a value for the Chiefs to go up and get Trey McDuffie. I was, now you throw it out the window that Beach won't draft a corner in the first round. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I think, before we wrap this up, is I think if you look at everyone in your division, not just in the West but in the AFC, every team is trying to set up with a three-receiver set. So at this point now, it's like you can't have enough cornerbacks or safeties or you can have these guys that are what they would consider hybrid guys. Like, I think uh, I think Cook is kind of like that guy. I think he's a linebacker, but he's also can play like not free safety, but he's quick and he can move and he can get outside. And like you look at Leo Chanel, like another guy that's obviously going to be not Leo Chanel. Um, Leo Chanel, the guy that's going to wear 49, unlike Dan Sewardson, is going to be a little bit different. I thought that was interesting that he's wearing 49. I was like, of course, because Saturday we were like, he's the new Dirty Dan. But the thing is, is that they've got guys that are not only big and physical, but they're quick because they know they're going to go up against guys against the Bengals that have a three-receiver set. The Raiders, three-receiver set. I mean, it might be Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and Devontae Adams, but it's a three-receiver set. you got to have guys out there that can play the entire field. And I think this is just an assumption that that's why the Tyron Matthew thing didn't work. He just couldn't get out there and run with those guys anymore. And they had to go out there and get fresh legs. You lose Charvarius Ward, obviously. Still have Legarius Sneed. Still have Juan Thornhill. Still have a good group of guys. But having a lot of them is kind of a surplus and having a good way to stop these three receiver sets and these 
offenses that are now just going to run the spread. Because you look at the Chiefs, man, you look at that roster, you know they're going to spread them out and just go all out every single game and say, we're scoring 35, you got to score 36 to beat us. Yeah, and you look at the Chargers bringing J.C. Jackson as a cornerback, and I really like Dusty, what the Bengals have done. Because Jesse Bates is already a great safety, and they had Dax Hill, and a cornerback they had Cam Taylor Britt. But I think there was a method to the madness for the Kansas City Chiefs as far as wide receiver and cornerback. I'll explain that next. You're listening to Bink's NFL Draft Special on 610 Sports Radio, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Jay Binkley, Dusty Likens, brought to you by Window World. Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. What did you think about that quote? Violence and physicality. I loved it. I loved Big it. Time. It was a great quote. Big time. Dusty had a chance to uh, hear all the guys talk at a draft fest. Did he impress you the most, Leo? No, I think Sky Moore impressed me the most. Did he? Just because... And again, I would never bait anybody in a question unless like they had it coming, like they were just somebody that was a jerk, which none of these guys were. None of them were. They were all very respectful. All of them shook my hand, told me thank you. I said the same thing. So props to those players. Um, and thank you for your time on those players' interview. But like the thing is, is that Sky Moore, like I asked him, I was like, you know, Tyreek Hill's not here. You are. Like, there's a reason for that. Like they drafted a receiver because they lost a receiver. And he was cool as a cucumber. He just was you know, hey, I'm ready to join this team, be a part of this offense, and and get going. Like, it's it's time to, you know, put that in the past. There was no, like, slight shot, like, I'm going to try to be the new, you know, guy for Patrick, yeah. or I'm going to do this now, or me and Mahomes have had conversations, or I'm not here to talk about what doesn't exist. It was just like a straight-up, like, and I mean, to be honest with you, man, Beatley, I was telling a, 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 a friend of mine today, about each one of these players and what I noticed, you know, coming off the stage and what they looked like. And man, Holt just did a good job as being like the rah-rah guy. Like, are you guys ready to hear the touchdown? Uh, here's this guy and here's this, and he's known for this. And then you got the violence and physicality quote from Leo and, you know, McDuffie gets out there and he starts doing the the chop and everybody's there. And then, and all these guys just are, when they get off the stage, it's kind of like, you know, if you can, you know, your first birdie or your first home run or your first something that you succeeded with or your first, you know, celebrity interview and you get that look in your eye like, holy cow, like this is, you could feel that. Like you could feel that they were still human because I hate to break it to you, but like as athletes get older and they get better at the sport, they get more inclined to like being numb to the situation. These guys were not numb to the situation. They were like, there's only 4,000 people here, and I'm juiced and ready to go. Whereas, like, in the future, they're going to be like, yeah, today was cool. It's a good time. We won the game. Whereas, like, they were like, I'm ready to get going. I'm ready. Like, Leo was pumping his hands. We talked about that on Saturday. So, yeah, it was a good part. I've never, you know, I haven't seen, you know, obviously the Chiefs stature makes it a little bit more fun when you yeah. have the Chiefs. And these guys love it. But, you know, I, I look at the wide receiver room, and to me, you know, Tyree Kills here. No, I mean, that's that's the end-all, be-all. Top three receiver in the NFL. But I think this wide receiver room's deeper, Dusty. I don't know how you feel about it, but I look at Juju, at MBS, Sky Moore, McCole Hardman. Let's not forget about him. You know, that's better than talking about Pringle, Demarcus Robinson, 
And those guys going forward, I, I think it's a deeper, deeper group. And Tyree Kill had to play different last year. It wasn't, right. you know, the top off, you know, the nine round vertical route down the field all the time. He had to get over the middle a lot more. And that's what Sky Moore is known for. But they weren't able to do that. But they do have guys that can do it. Four three seven speed by MBS. Right. Sky Moore can move. I mean, it's a deeper group from top to bottom than top heavy like it was. Because that was a huge gap between Tyree Kill and anybody else. In the games that Tyree Kill had to miss, you definitely noticed a huge difference in the wide receivers. I think in the other part of this, too, before we wrap this little segment up and we get joined by Ron Kopp of Arrowhead Pride, is the fact that when you look at these receivers, like everyone's going to have a specific role. Like you remember the, the meme that was going down there, like F it, Tyreek's down here somewhere, I'll just chuck it. That's not really going to be there. And I was trying to explain this to somebody this weekend where, you know, you're going to have Juju who's going to be able to run over the middle and get those, you know, those quick little hitches, those little curl routes. You're going to have Sky Moore who's going to be a more elevated type of Albert Wilson in that 2017 game against Denver yeah, where he can a little just bit of everything. get out and move and run those routes. You're going to have MBS who, yeah, he's not Tyree Kill. He's not... 4-2 speed, but he's still 4-3-5, and he's 6-4. So at that one point where you don't think he's going, he'll get behind you, and Mahomes will be able to put that on a dime, and it'll smoke that defensive secondary. And that's what I'm saying, man. Like Defensive secondaries against the Chiefs are going to have to be in shape because they're going to line up four wide, and they're going to have 87, 19, 24, you know, 17, we're even talking about McCole Hardman, and you're going to have all these guys that are going to know exactly what routes they're running, and 15's throwing the ball. It's not somebody that we haven't heard of throwing the ball. It's not Mac Jones throwing the ball or Sam Darnold throwing the ball. It's Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is now a very seasoned veteran in the NFL, and oh, by the way, he's 27 years old, and now he's got seven targets to throw to, and he can only have four on the field basically at a time. It's very exciting, but the reason the Chiefs drafted three corners and two safeties is very simple. Quarterback list this year. Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson twice, Justin Herbert twice, Derek Carr twice, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. There's only four games, Dusty, where they don't exactly play a quarterback that'll knock your socks off. Any yeah, I threw Trevor Lawrence in there because I think he's going to be good under Doug and Pete. 49ers, Seahawks, Titans, and Texans. Four teams where the quarterback doesn't like really stand out to you. But the other 13 games, quarterback's viable. You know what I'm saying? So they're going to have – now you see why they draft the three corners and two safeties. Also, what are the odds that Nick Foles goes back to Jacksonville? That's like Dougie P's guy. Right? I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a pretty strong uh, actor. We'll talk to Ron Kopp, lead analyst of ArrowheadPride.com. Talk to him a lot through this draft show process uh, that we had. Now it's time to get the reaction from Ron Kopp. We do that next. You're listening to Bink's NFL Draft Special on 610 Sports Radio, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome to our Chiefs Draft Special. Jay Binkley, Dusty Likens with you, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, the draft is in the books for 2022 and joining us now the lead analyst arrowheadpride.com ron cop who spent a lot of time with me hashing this uh, draft over the last couple of weeks what's up ron yeah jay it was it was good you know covering the draft it was fun it kind of feels weird that it's over you know but i, I know you you're probably gonna be looking in 2023 uh no. pretty quick knowing you so I've looked at the futures. I've looked at the futures already for 2023, and there there are some 2023 mocks out there. But just a matter of time before you, you know, start diving into college football and enjoy some of these players 
that are supposed to be. I think next year will be the year of the quarterback. I think that uh, yeah. Mel had six and a half, took the over as far as quarterbacks taken uh, next year because they didn't certainly go this year. Well, Ron, one of the guys we didn't talk a lot about, we talked about Karloftis quite a bit. We talked about Sky Moore quite a bit. But we didn't talk about Trent McDuffie very often because it didn't look like he would fall to the Chiefs, and it's kind of out of character to go corner in round one. But, you know, with the Vegas over-under at 16-and-a-half, you know, you're picking at the end of the first round. Didn't look like he would be there. Chiefs jumped the Bills, go up and get Trent McDuffie, but kind of surprised at all with Brett Beach going with the corner in round one. I like it. Yeah, this is one of those examples of a pre-draft press, com- pre-draft press conference actually the GM actually saying the truth, uh, and, you know, we all kind of make fun of it, saying, oh, he's not really going to give us any, any uh, you know, truth nuggets or anything. Well, that's the thing. He told us if there's a first-round talent that falls to that 19 to 21 range, he would go up and get him. That would be the possibility, right? That's exactly yep. what he did. Exactly what he said. Yeah, Trent McDuffie, a first-round talent, obviously on their board, someone that they did not expect. They came out and, you know, said that afterwards, and I, I think that's very true. They really did not expect him to be there. And I love it, man. I love it because Veach has said that the cornerback value has just never been there for him in the draft. He's always he's always passed up on it because he just doesn't ever think it's lined up with the value. And this time it did. This time a first-round talent fell to a spot where it was worth it to go up and get him. And I love it, man. It gives the secondary a little bit di- a different taste than what they've had with their cornerbacks before. You know, he's going to be an outside cornerback, primarily what he did. He has the capability to play in the slot. He has that athletic profile and the football IQ, but he's going to be an outside cornerback in my opinion. And man, he, and I really think he's, he's going to give them a, an ability to not just be, you know, this typical, you know, what they've been in the past. A lot of times that outside cornerback is just long, you know, physical, you know, disrupt you at the, the line, but may not be the greatest in terms of just keeping up with the guy one-on-one. We saw that last year when they got put on Island, sometimes a guy like Jamar Chase could take advantage of them. I think Trent McDuffie gives you a lot better chances, chance in those situations. Now a better chance than they've had before. I just think he's a better athlete. I think he's a better cover player than what they've had. And it's really exciting. I really think it could, it could change what the defense looks like a little bit because now they have someone they can trust a little more as an actual lockdown corner, potentially. What do you think the message sent was? Because they draft Joshua Williams as well, Jalen Watson, other corners. So three cornerbacks taken, then two safeties, and Brian Cook, Inazi Johnson. Because you look at the amount of quarterbacks they're playing next year, you know, like Herbert twice and Russell Wilson twice, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, you name it. They're playing the who's who of quarterbacks. Nick Joe Burrow, they're playing the best corner. Like the Chiefs cornerback room did need an upgrade. And I think we spent a lot of time on edge and wide receiver, but that cornerback room definitely needed an upgrade. Yeah, and McDuffie is, is the upgrade. I like the swings they took, though, later in the draft. Like you mentioned, Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams. Joshua Williams, a D2 prospect that we highlighted actually in the pre-draft process because the Chiefs brought him in for a visit. And that's actually the same with Jalen Watson. Those are two guys they brought in for visits beforehand. And the reason that I profiled them and, and thought, you know, maybe there could be a chance they go to the Chiefs is because they were longer, build, bigger corners like I just talked about. That what have they typically done? And that's even more reason why I like the McDuffie pick because they did go outside their comfort zone a little bit, grab a real cover corner, but then they went right back to going with what does fit Spag's system, what, what they can get. They can maximize guys like Joshua Williams. It's exactly why Charvarius Ward became the player he did in the Chiefs system. He would not be that same player maybe other places because his strengths were utilized in the Chiefs system. And I think a guy like Joshua Williams, you know, a D2 player, but a longer build, you know, physical guy, he's going to be able to, you know, use that, that physical ability. And, and I really think the same thing with Jalen Watson. He's a longer dude that, that just excels in press, just swallows up receivers at the line. 
both those guys, their strengths going to be utilized a lot quicker here than other places. So yeah, I really, I really like what they did to add to the cornerback room. They got a lot of depth. And then all of a sudden today they trade for Lonnie Johnson, the, the Texan safety, who I, I believe is going to you know transition to corner. That's what everyone's you know announcing him as. They've all of a sudden stocked up this cornerback room, you know, with quite a bit of depth. I, you know, it's a, it's all of a sudden, you know, where it was really thin before the draft, it is super, uh, you know, condensed or contested right now. It's like their wide receiver room full. Plus, they threw a uh, undrafted free agent tender on Melvin Ingram, so chances are they want him back. Of course, he can sign with other teams after July 22nd, but up until then, he's got to sign here. Yeah, I like the Melvin Ingram tender right there. I think it, it pretty much secures him. Here and, and and I like what and it kind of makes sense, right? When you look at the edge room, you know the Karloftis pick gives you someone that's going to give you a lot of snaps. He's going to play a lot of snaps. Him and Frank Clark are going to be those starting BNs and really be able to play, you know, a lot of the time, obviously. But you still need situational guys, you still need situational rushers. I think Ingram was forced into a starting role last year because they had nobody else that could do it better than him. Now I think he'll be more of a situational player potentially. If you add in the fact that Kane, though, could maybe take a step and become maybe more of a situational rusher, you know, all of a sudden that's kind of all you have room for in defensive end. Plus when you add in McDaniels in that equation, that's really all you have room for, those five defensive ends. So when you put it like that, you know, Ingram does round out the room. You know, I think we're going to get to week one and still be pretty underwhelmed with what it looks like, how, you know, how exciting it is, how much pressure they get. But it is going to be, I think, better than that last year just because Karloftis, I think, gives you a little more than what they got from anyone not named Frank Clark and Melvin Ingram. You spent a lot of time looking at edge and wide receivers. Uh, George Karloftis, I'm, I'm shocked that they were able to get him at the end of the first round. He certainly looked like he was going to go about 12 picks earlier than where they got him. Yeah, Karloftis was I, – I think it's obvious, though, that they didn't value him as a first-round pick because I do think they would have made, you know, maybe made the move to go get him there or they would have made another move to go get him since he was falling like that. So that's one thing I do think they have tempered expectations for him. I think he's not – I think he will be more of a, uh, you know, just a solid player rather than maybe someone they view as someone that's going to become a star or, you know, a really, really great pass rusher. But that's okay. I, I think that there's something to a high-floor player like that. And I do think he has, he's still a very young player that has the skills to, to grow and everything. So you heard Spags kind of say he, he really fits his system. He really like how he, he, he like him in the system. So you like to hear that. I really think he's a high floor player. He's going to have a good career. I just, you know, we, we should temper our expectations with, uh, you know, how high of a ceiling he has as a player. But I think we all understood that before the draft. Even. We've talked about that, Jay. Oh, yeah, we, we talked about it, but certainly he's got that motor that just won't stop. And also Sky yeah. Moore, at wide receiver. A guy I really liked was Sky Moore. And I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, this guy can catch everything. He had the biggest hands at the draft, but again, going 54th overall, I thought Sky Moore had a great chance to be an end of uh, round one guy. Yeah, and that's the thing, man. I I was a little hesitant with Sky Moore as a round one guy. I really was. I and that's kind of where you know I did you know I I, I kind of called him maybe you know a lower floor player when you're talking about a first round talent. You know what you're going to get out of him. When you get him at number 54, when you trade down out of fifth-round pick, that value you get him out there, it's, it's obviously a well, a well worth the swing. And when he's a complimentary piece to what you're going to you know, have, obviously, with Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster leading your receiving core, man, he, he, he really is going to excel in the role he's going to be given right away. I think he's a guy that's definitely going to make an impact right away and build on that, right? He's, he's a small school guy. I think he has you know, a good amount of room to grow with. I don't think he'll ever be – a wide receiver one, but I don't think the Chiefs, you know, really care about that right now, right? You know, the next three or four years, he just needs to complement, you know, what they have. You know, obviously, you know, you hope he grows into something more if you're the Chiefs, but 
I think right now for what they got, I think he's going to be a great player in his role. He's going to be that slot Z type that, you know, yak. He's going to have that yak ability yards after catch. He's going to get open on those quick to intermediate routes. And, yeah, he's just he's just going to be a, a, a solid player for, for Mahomes in the offense. And they definitely needed another receiver in this room. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Is there a favorite you have? Because I look at this and I, I, can't, I can't pick a favorite. I mean, like two or three. But is there somebody that stands out to you that you're – absolute favorite man it is hard to stick between the two but i'll say two real quick leo chanel the wisconsin linebacker man i mean how did he get that far when you watch him this is not a guy that should be a third round pick i mean he should be you know picked in the top 50 top 60 definitely just just someone that impresses you he flies to the ball you know is so good against the run from an off-ball position but i think he's also underrated as just an overall pass defender first of all he can, he can rush a quarterback. He can be someone you throw, you know, throw out Sam and rush off the edge and, and give you some some motor in that sense. But I do think he moves. You know, he doesn't. He's not the most natural coverage player, but he moves pretty well. I think he's going to be a really good player. I think the linebacker core all of a sudden is one of the strongest in the league. But I do want to shout out Darren Kennard too, the Kentucky right tackle that they took in the fifth round. He was one of my highest rated tackles. Uh, he was actually my number seventh rated tackle, and I actually was tempted to put him higher. I really like what I saw. He's a he's a two time first team All American. Or just maybe, I think he was second from All American his junior year, but consensus last year. I mean, played in the SEC, started three seasons in the SEC. Blocker of the year. Below, yeah, never graded below 89 on a PFF grade in any of his starting seasons. I mean, this guy is a, he, he's a, a solid player, dude. I mean, I think he comes in right away and competes with Lucas Niang at right tackle. And that's what's exciting. It's the second year in a row the Chiefs have found a lineman that, in my opinion, is going to come in right away and, and at least at the very minimum give you quality snaps, even if he doesn't start, maybe. Great stuff, Ron Cup, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. Well, 2022's in the books, 2023 in Kansas City's on the clock, Ron. Yes, sir, I know. That's going to be so fun next year, man. The draft was fun covering it with you this year, but you, let's not lie. It's going to be way more fun next year when it's in Kansas City. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be fun next year as well. We'll talk to you later, Ron. All right, appreciate you. There you go, Ron Cop, arrowheadpride.com. Speaking of what he said about Brett Veach, you know, when he, when he had that uh, press conference, was he telling us exactly what he was going to do? I'll go back to that day where he had the pre-draft press conference next. You're listening to Bink's NFL Draft Special on 610 Sports Radio, brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Welcome back to our Chiefs Draft Special. Don't forget Veach said this when talking about trading up or staying put. Obviously, he traded up, but this is what he told us before the draft even began. I don't know if it was last year or the year before. It was like every guy we had in the first round went like that. And, you know, if it happens like that, then it's hard to envision, you know, a, a trade up. But typically what happens, the board do deviate and they are different. Um, and then when you find value of, you know, we talk about 16, 18 guys being valued in the first round. Then all of a sudden, you know, you get the picks 19, 20, 21. And there's still some of those guys on the board. I think you make a decision and see if you can maybe find a trade partner. Um, if those 16 guys are off the board by the time you get to 19, 20, 21, then you know, I think it kind of drives the narrative to just stay put and, and just collect the assets. I, um, you know, I don't probably foresee a huge jump up um, just throwing a haymaker and trying to get in the top 10. I, I mean, it's, unless something unforeseen, happen, unforeseen happens, I, I would say that you know, um, we'll be flexible and, and we'll let the board talk to us. And if there's value, we will. And if not, we'll just stay put. Well, the board spoke, Dusty. But he, uh, you know, a lot of times they say, well, it's all smokescreen when these GMs talk and stuff. Uh-huh. Veach, uh, the last couple of years, because last year was about second, third round being the hot zone. And then this year was if somebody's there at 19, 20, or 21, we'll go up and get them. We have to find a trade partner 
the trade partner, uh, partner was Bill Belichick, and he moved up and got Trent McDuffie exactly like he said he would. I think the best part about Veach's draft is that when you hear him talk about it, and the text line makes a good point from the 816 that, like, he said after the Super Bowl he was going to fix the offensive line. He did that. He said after this yeah. year he's going to fix the defense. He did that. Like, Veach lets you know what he's going to do. And he's also, it seems, very confident during the draft, whereas I think that there's probably some GMs that get frantic, you know, just like your buddies in your fantasy drafts or, you know, whatever it may be. They get a little bit nervous or they get to the point where they're like, oh, man, like this player is available. But it's like, do you necessarily need that player that is good available or is what you need somebody that's not being literally talked about? And like he said, if the board was there to speak to him, they were going to listen him. By God, the board was on the same connection as the Chiefs this entire last weekend. Yeah, the board was really screaming at him. Don't something. Forget, he also said this too: a lot of talent around two and three. I think it's. I think there's a lot of similarities to last draft. I think we have right around 16, 18 names on our on our front board as first round picks, and um, picking there at twenty nine and thirty. It, you know, the odds of you know maybe one of those guys falling um, isn't isn't great. But at the same time, we, you know, we're probably not factoring quarterbacks that, that most teams do. Um, I'm sure there's quarterbacks worthy of a first-round grade, which is obviously not going in that direction. But I think similar to last year, I think when you look at value in this draft, um, you know, 30 to 60 is really good. Um, you know, I, we were able to get Nick Bolton and Creed Humphrey last year. I think there'll be a lot of value uh, similar to that. I think a lot of really good players in that second and third round. In second and third round, he drafted Sky Moore, the wide receiver, Brian Cook, the safety out of Cincinnati, and Leo Chanel, the uh, inside linebacker out of Wisconsin. So the second, third round were there for him, just like he said. But I really like what he said uh, earlier. When if there's someone there, 19, 20, or 21, and he's rated as a first-round player, graded as a first-round player, they'll jump up and get him, and that's exactly what they did. So very interesting stuff from Brett Veach, kind of telling you exactly what he thought about the whole thing. And not only that, he talked a little bit too about the whole corner and edge depth, which certainly you got Karloftis at 30. They get corners throughout this draft. But again, somebody said on the text line, well, it was more edge or corner. This was Veach's answer. I think that they're both up there, you know, and and it, it just comes down to, you know, our selection and where we value the guy. Um, I, I think that they're both there neck and neck in regards to what we feel need-wise. So um, we've had great dialogue, in fact, uh, running late for this meeting, we, we were in there with the defensive staff, and usually the, the Friday before the draft, we, we go through everything. So we actually just wrapped that up, and you know we we did have some actually those questions of, of comparing you know those positions and, and where we'd be. But um, I don't think I think that there's a need to get better at all levels, and I think that there's um, uh, certainly a high priority on both the end and corner, and, and I think we'll um, you know being hopefully with these picks be in a position to to add both of those positions. And also with Isaiah Pacheco, the running back at a Rutgers, and people liked him a ton on the text line when they drafted him a seventh round. Don't forget, Beach said this about late round or undrafted running backs. The running back class this year, it's, it's really crazy because when you factor in that COVID year last year mm-hmm. um, and some of the guys that stayed in school, it's there is – I've never seen such a large group of, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round running backs, and it's like – the names go from the top of the ceiling down to the bottom. So there'll certainly be a – I told the guys, my prediction is there'll be a 1,000-yard rusher that is an undrafted free agent or seventh-round pick just by the sheer volume of numbers. I think so too, Dusty. It's time to scour seventh-round pick in undrafted free agents when it comes to your fantasy show next year. Something like that. I mean, there's going to be value with 
with one of the Chiefs players that they drafted this year. I think that there is um I think there's a lot of value when it comes to Sky Moore just because of how much they're gonna use I guess the spread offensive style of play. And again, a lot of people would say, well, that's just cliche. You can always use Chiefs players on your offense. But I mean, you weren't taking McCole Hardman in fantasy football. You might take him this year. But again, the other thing that's scary about the Chiefs when it comes to the fantasy aspect is, is there too many hands and not enough footballs? So we're going to have to figure out early on who Mahomes wants to throw the ball to more often than not. Now, I will say I still think that Travis Kelsey is is worth a late first-round pick or an early to mid-second-round pick in a fantasy football world. And I also think that Sky Moore is a guy that you could get late in the draft. But again, around here, a lot of people are chief biased, so they're going to take guys probably earlier than they should. But if a guy like Sky Moore is going to be utilized like they had with the Albert Wilson type of role where they can be lined up on the outside, move a lot of the inside, kind of do those, you know, inside crossing passes that could, you know, potentially go to the house. Now, the speed's not going to blow you away, but the – creativityness and the and the way that his game is played and the way that he can be like a a sub a2 playmaker I think Sky Moore has has got a lot of worth there but again yeah I mean the way that Brett Veach is able to like the text line I said earlier that we say we said value a lot that's just one of the words that you use in drafts like this because Brett Veach got those guys look he had damn near the rookie of the year at center he had one of the better linebackers in the AFC last year and Nick Bolton and then you got Trey Smith in the sixth, and what he does is, is is he does so well at getting guys at low risk and high reward. Like, he'll go get guys like he just did from, from Houston today and get guys that are first and second round picks, and then people are like, well, it didn't work out. You know, it didn't work out here, so we're going to let him go. And then Brett Veach gets him, and then all of a sudden it's like, why does Melvin Ingram work in Kansas City, but he doesn't work in Pittsburgh? It's like, I don't know how to tell you, but... Brett Veach seems to have that little bit of, of of fairy dust that he can sprinkle on his draft picks or he can do on these free agents, and it just seems to work. And if it doesn't, then explain to me four straight AFC championship games. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. The odds, by the way, too, Dusty, have uh, been put out. Um, Drake London, the odds on favorite for offensive rookie of the year, 11-2. Okay. Kenny Pickett, 13-2. Sky Moore, 16-1. to so if you want some Sky more value, that's not as terrible Trim as McDuffie, it might think. Trent McDuffie's eighteen to one for defensive rookie of the year, and Carl Loftus is twenty to one. <laughs> I wonder what Creed Humphrey was last year, like eight hundred to one that somebody put quote a little fifty bucks down on, and then all of a sudden it got to like the last week of the season. He's like, is it going to go to Creed? <laughs> no, it's going to go to Jamar Chase. We'll find out, but there could be some interesting value at Kansas City uh, receiver positions next year. It might be uh, kind of difficult to pick the right one. I'm sure I might bring that up at some point to Dusty Likens, who he would grab right now. At 7.15, Dusty had a chance to talk to every single draft pick uh, walking off the stage uh, this Saturday at Arrowhead Stadium. I'll bring that to you. But coming up next, what the head coaches had to say, Jeff Brom about George Karloftis and, and Coach Lester about Sky Moore. We bring that next. You're listening to Bink's NFL Draft Special on 610 Sports Radio. Brought to you by Window World, the official window of the Kansas City Chiefs. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, 
hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 